Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede podcast. Thanks for listening to this Friday edition as we preview SMU-TCU on Saturday at 2.30 on FS1, the battle for the Iron Skillet for the 99th time. SMU trying to win uh, their first game in the series since 2011 and coming into the game uh, with a team that certainly is capable. And and if you followed our coverage on, on Pony Stampede, and we'll get into that um, when we kind of preview the game here shortly, it, it it's a it's a game that is much more uh, competitive, at least in the eyes of myself, at least in the eyes of our uh, TCU counterpart, Jeremy Clark, when we had him on the podcast yesterday, um, and just really nationally, uh, that this game is, is going to be a fight. I mean, Las Vegas still kind of has it in that almost close to double-digit type range, um, but I think most feel like uh, SMU certainly more equipped to, to to deal with the frogs this this year. They've got a quarterback in Shane Bouchelle. Um, TCU still figure, figuring out their quarterback situation, but um, the big question will be: Can can SMU score enough points on this TCU defense? I mean, that's what it is for me, and um, we're gonna find out. And so we're gonna jump into some of the preview stuff uh, in the first part of this podcast, and then get to uh, more so our subscriber questions to round out the week. Um, not too many questions out there on the SMU TCU game for the most part, but um, outside of um, a prediction. So I'll get to that as we as we kind of wrap up uh, the preview part of the podcast with the TCU game. For me, uh, this game, and I've, I said this when Jeremy Clark and I were talking yesterday on the pod, uh, comes down to turnovers. Can SMU take care of the football? We saw Shane Bouchelle turn the ball over against Texas State twice in kind of um, two ways that I don't think are going to become typical for him. And and they were they were just kind of weird throws that, I mean, he certainly wants back, uh, very much preventable. Um, but we'll, I think they're just not typical of, of how he plays, plays the game. So... On TCU's end of things, uh, Max Dugan and Alex Delton are the two quarterbacks that you're probably going to see. You're expecting Max Dugan to get the start at this point because he played the majority of that game against Purdue, um, where TCU certainly had a lot of success, uh, at least rushing the football, and we'll get into that. Um, But uh, he didn't turn the ball over on the road in a Big Ten game. Um, and, And so I think that's... That's something worth noting. And he's going to be back at home this week and and uh, has another week of practice under his belt. But here's the thing for me. I, I think Kevin Kane and, and the defense uh, has always been so multiple since he's been here at SMU. And whether it's three-man fronts, four-man fronts, um, bringing pressures from different, different areas, playing guys at different spots, it's been... Um, it's just been different. And so I think for the most part, you're going to see probably the best defense. I think this, you're going to see the best defense TCU's faced uh, this season in SMU. And 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 they're going to have a shot to be able to, to stop this TCU offense. Purdue last week sold out really to stop the run and couldn't. And TCU rushed all over them. And really the Frogs, 
didn't really, while they did deal with some drops, they didn't really press it in the passing game too much. And so I'm interested to see how TCU approaches that because I would say that SMU secondary is kind of their um, uh, their question mark still. I mean, w- whether or not Brandon Stevens is one of the best in terms of pass def- passes defended in the country um, and his emergence or, you know, Rodney Clemens getting a pick last week. I mean, it just there's still a question mark there. They really haven't faced, I think, a team that can put pressure on them with the athletes like TCU, TCU can with guys like Jalen Rager. Um, SMU's defensive line just ate up North Texas, so Mason Fine didn't get too much time uh, back there. But uh, this week, I think it's going to be different. You're facing an offensive line that's one of the best, in, in certainly in the Big 12 um, in TCU's, and uh, SMU's defensive line is going to have to bring their A game. Now, whether that's creating pressures on on Max Dugan, and if we see Alex Delton, Alex Delton, or being able to get uh, into ru- you know gaps and stop the run of Darius Anderson and and Shewa Olanalua, um, that'll be the question. Uh, I think even if Harrison Loveless wasn't to go because he was hurt in the Texas State game, this defensive line has the depth to be rolled out there in a, you know, what'll probably be a hot, um, you know, it'll at least be humid with the weather that's kind of expected in the Dallas Fort Worth area. It'll at least be humid out there. You know that much. Um, and it's just a matter of, uh, SMU continuing to roll out, you know, that group, I think to, um, you know, stay fresh and, and get pressure and, and stop the run. So if I'm SMU, uh, and and not talking specifically in terms of okay what what are they going to do three man four man bring pressure run you know run this or that but in terms of what I'm trying to take away I'm trying to take away the run um, because I, I just think that when you if you're TCU and you've got a young quarterback and you're at home and you can control the clock like they could be able to do with that type of play that's not what that's not what I want if I'm SMU. I don't want I don't want TCU's offense on the field for you know five six minutes at a time and ending up in a, in a scoring drive. So I want I want to stop the run. I want to shut down Darius Anderson as best I can. I want to shut down uh, Shewa Olana Lua as best I can and and try to get them off the field because if it's Max Dugan trying to beat you and I I do believe this. I think he's going to be very good. And we've certainly seen SMU make young quarterbacks look very good at times in the series. But I, I'm not overly confident that Max Dugan is, is going to sit back there and, and pick you apart. Now, he could very well make make us look kind of silly on that. Uh, but for me, I mean, that's just kind of how I see it. I think Brandon Stevens is a good enough athlete to match up with Jalen Rager. Um, I think the issue with him will be you know, being so raw at the position, not taking what Jalen can do at athletically in terms of route running and all those things and getting made look 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 pretty bad. Um, but in terms of, you know, matching him with, with speed, he can run with them, especially from the corner position. You know, Jalen Rager is one of the fastest guys in the country, but Brandon Stevens is a really, really, really good athlete. Um, so he can match him there. And then you know how can how can SMU kind of take away some of the other options? That'll be that'll be the key. Um, but yeah, if I'm SMU, I'm going to try to take away the run as best I can. 
you've got the defensive front to rotate it in, um, and they they'll, they'll certainly be exotic enough when they try to confuse this TCU offensive line. And it, it's an offensive line that's really really strong. So if SMU can get pressure, if they can create sacks, if they can make it at least look like there's a lot of guys out there getting pressure on Max Dugan in the passing game, um, or 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 doing you know different stunts to get into running lanes. It's it's gonna SMU's gonna have a chance now, and a turnover or two would certainly help SMU's case um, if they can get those, especially early, because I think this game is going to be a game that if you can capitalize on on early momentum, it'll be critical. Um, so defensively, that that's kind of how I feel about SMU. They've got to force turnovers. It's something they've been good at under Kevin Kane. They've been very good at it. That's got to continue. And on the flip side of that, SMU can't turn up turn the ball over. They've got to win the turnover battle. I think running the football will be critical in this game. Keep SMU's defense off the field a little bit. Give them a rest. Because while Vegas kind of has this game trending towards a little bit of a lower scoring game, I, I, I think it could get into kind of a shootout if, if you start letting these two offenses go. Um, whether it's big plays by Darius Anderson or Shewa Olanolua, um, whether it's Shane Bouchelle finding Reggie Roberson or James Prochet in the passing game, because I, TCU has a, a corner in, in, in Jeff Bladney that can really uh, match up with, with Roberson, and he did a good job on Rondell Moore last week, um, the TCU stud, or the uh, Purdue stud. And, and SMU, though, does have the weapons to, to kind of force TCU to defend the entire field. Um, I think last week we saw a pretty vanilla look from Rhett Lashley, so I'm expecting a little bit more fireworks. If I'm SMU, I'd get TJ McDaniel out there. He's really versatile. He can catch the ball. He knows his assignments. He runs hard. Um, and things work out clearly from what we saw when he's on the field. And and I know it was Texas State, but that's a t- Texas State defense. is pretty good group of five defense. Um, and there's, they're, they're no slouches in terms of athletes and things like that out there. So um, I thought that was a good preview of, of certainly not what I think he could do against TCU, but I think he can provide a spark. So with Xavier Jones running well, Add in TJ McDaniel. You've got Cayman Freeman. If he can put things together a little bit more than he has this season, SMU's going to be able to kind of run the football. And and I think they'll figure out ways to kind of get it done in the run game um, and, and get guys loose and get guys going for big yardage um, at times. And then it'll be on Shane Bouchelle. He's done a really phenomenal job, especially completing the ball. If they can complete passes and not you're just, you know, short, you know, screen screen pass or short hitch, but they can work that intermediate passing game like Chain has worked this season um, and worked it ex- you know extremely well. They're gonna have a chance, and 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 that I think is is key. I think staying aggressive on the offensive side of the ball is gonna be critical. I don't think they need to sit back and take what the defense gives them or what what have you. They've got to be the aggressor in this game. That's what SMU did in 2011 to go into Fort Worth and take the win. I think that's critical. You've got to stay on the aggressive side um, and 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 just go after it. And and with Shane at the helm and the way he throws the football, especially if he has time, SMU can do that. They can take shots down the field. They can they can go to Reggie Riverson. They can go to Myron Galliard. They can go to James Prochet. They can do all those things. 
He's just got to have time. They've got to figure out how to give him that time. And if he has it, I think Shane Bouchel will find it. I know TCU's gave him trouble at Texas, but look, SMU has better skill position players than than he was dealing with at Texas. I mean, that's a fact. They have two Bolitnikoff Award watch list wide receivers. They certainly have a running back in Xavier Jones that's playing really well uh, to help him out. Kylan Granson is a really good athlete that 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 I think could be an X factor in this game. I mean, him getting open over the middle, him stretching the field vertically could open up things underneath for, you know, if he goes on a, on a seam route up the middle um, from with the sand in the dirt as a, as a down tight end, James Prochet comes underneath, dig route, Reggie Robeson dig route, however you want to figure it out. That's a difference maker in terms of stretching the field. The question is, can they leave a running back in, uh, pick up a blitz, um, or just protect with six guys by getting Kylan Granson out into the passing game? That'll be the that'll be the question. That could be the difference in terms of how aggressive SMU can be. Is can they involve Kylan Granson and get him the ball a little bit more than they have? And I think that's part of the vanilla look that SMU gave. While Kylan Granson, like for me. If I was SMU, I would have loved to have held that RPO play um, that they hit Granson with on the touchdown against Texas State because I thought it was a great play call. I didn't really think SMU showed a ton of that, um, but now I think TCU has to respect it at least, and and they certainly know it's in the playbook, right? I mean, you've got a tight end like that. You're going to uh, find different ways to use them, and, and that's one of them, but I would have I would have liked to have saved that play if I was SMU um, and, and you know, keep TCU guessing a little bit. But that is a kind of a preview of how I think Granson can affect this SMU passing game. Um, and then finally, the kicking game. And and I guess I'll answer this question on our uh, Pony Stampede uh, message board. It, you know, how what do we what what does SMU do about the kicking game? But look, I, I'll be honest, there's not much you can do. I mean, you there, there's not. You you can't really hold open tryouts because if a soccer player is on scholarship, then you got to put them on football scholarship, and I think they're full on scholarships right now. You got to hope Kevin Robledo is good to go this week. If he's not, you're going to have Luke Hogan kicking back there. But look, this I think there's a couple things with the kicking game. I think it's more of a protection and a snapping and holding thing. That's my opinion. Um, Luke Hogan... Doesn't look comfortable back there for sure. And we certainly saw him miss a, a PAT. But when you're having your you know left side of your line bowled over and you have a, a kick blocked on a PAT, I mean, that's a protection issue. That's a having the right personnel out there, having some big guys out there that can hold up uh, type of deal. And, and Sonny Dykes addressed it. He said, look, guys, they're just jumping over us at this point. So I think they... They've recognized what they've got to do in terms of snapping and holding. It's just got to be reps. Like that's just what they need to be doing. The entire practice is just getting more reps, getting better at it, um, and and trying to trying 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 to put a band aid on it until you get a more permanent solution. Um, but there's really not much they can do. But they need Kevin Robledo healthy. So for SMU, hopefully Kevin Robledo is healthy. Um, yeah, I I think SMU is gonna. In terms of a prediction, I do think SMU wins this game. I think it's somewhere in the 27-24 range. And 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 I say this and I say this kind of like cautiously, like I don't I don't think SMU is gonna be 
hanging on for for dear life at the end. I, I in my opinion, I think it's a it could be a twenty seven twenty four type game, or a thirty one twenty four type game, where where SMU has the ball at the end and and they finish it off. I don't think that if SMU wins this game, they're sitting there sweating it out, or it's an overtime, or TC gets the ball back with two minutes to play and drives down the field and is driving and trying to tie it with a field goal or tie it with a touchdown. Um, and it, I, I just don't... I I think if, if this SMU team gets in the position to win the game, I, I think they can close the door. I think they're veteran enough... Um, They've got a different quarterback. They've got a different mindset. And it's kind of the culmination of the culture that they've been building over the last two years. Um, kind of felt like this when SMU beat Houston last year. Um, just felt like Houston wasn't a good enough football team. I'm not really sold on TCU being a good enough football team with where they're at right now at quarterback. Um, but Max Dugan is kind of a question mark. If he comes in, and plays really, really well, that, that makes them a totally different team. I'm not sure if Kevin Kane's going to allow that to happen. Um, I just have a lot of confidence in what he does schematically, what he does, um, what he's done against Mason Fine um, to, to kind of you know corral him. And I, I just think this is the year that they, that they do it. And um, – in terms of what was it like the last time SMU won the game, I mean, they just they just stayed aggressive. I mean, J.J. McDermott was just dropping bombs down the middle of the field. I mean, it was kind of crazy. Um, and then in overtime, they, they get a score. Um, it's actually funny. I mean, the play, and I'll have to look up, and I'll post a link in the podcast thread, but we did a story on the 2011 team uh, a couple years back when, when um, they were – uh, they were two and zero heading into the game under Chad Morris, and um, yeah, there it is. Um, and and they said, look. Um, so we did we did the story and and um, and JJ McDermott was talking about the the talking about the play, um, and it was you know one-on-one coverage a lot of time that's what TCU traditionally plays and um it, it it's one of those things um that the play that won it is one of those plays that it's kind of funny June always has that play called but so much of the time it's not Jeremy Johnson sitting there um in the end zone wide open um it, it it's him in the flat it's kind of one of those it's it's just kind of one of those reads that it's not typically tagged that way in the um, in the offense, and so um, it, it's um, it's it was just kind of it was a great play call, it was a great great execution by JJ McDermott and all them, um, and then SMU gets to stop the next the next uh, drive on Casey Pahal and and uh, and on fourth and fourth and two. Um, so it was crazy. I mean, it, it was a it was a heck of a heck of a game for SMU to win at that point. And um, anytime you beat TCU was huge. It was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, it, it, I I think 
I think I think this SMU team has it in them. I think they've got the athletes. I, I do. I just I, I think that's the big difference is, is I think depth wise they're going to be able to match up with TCU this week. So, um, so I've got SMU winning. I think I would say twenty seven twenty four at this point. Um, we'll see how the how the chips fall and and everything. But it'll be fun. One two thirty on FS one ninety ninth battle for the Iron Skillet, and uh, we'll have it all covered on Pony Stampede. Um, so stick with us all weekend. Uh, with that, we're going to take a quick break from the podcast. We'll come back and answer some sub- subscriber questions to put a wrap on the podcast. We'll be right back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede podcast. A quick reminder to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. Share us with your friends if you like them. If you, if you like the podcast, uh, appreciate you guys. Uh, all right, so a few questions to get to. I'm going to start off with a fun one before we get into uh, a little bit on the boulevard, and then we'll finally we'll finish with some serious stuff in in the team atmosphere. Uh, got a couple questions on White Claws and, and wood selling at boost attendance. Uh, there is White Claw in the stadium. Um, and look, I mean, there, there are not any laws when you're drinking Claws, so um, that is the thing. Um, that's going on. They've got, they've got them in the stadium. Um, and, and, uh, you know, that, that's probably a reason for some of the boosted attendance among students is, uh, there, there are not any laws when you're drinking claws. Um, they're very good. I really like them. So anyway, um, now on the boulevard, uh, here's my opinion on it. I I think, I think there's gotta be a happy medium somewhere. And, and, and while I like creating the more festive atmosphere right around the stadium, I don't think they needed to sacrifice the upper part of the boulevard. I just don't. I, I don't. I don't think that's that was the way that was the way to do it. I, I, I think having student organizations have tents up there makes it look better. I mean, I, I admittedly I haven't been able to get to the boulevard this year. But from what I've been told, look, the upper half is just not, you know, up near Dallas Hall is just not what it used to be. And 
I think when you have those those pictures from drones up above and there's big white tents up top, and then of course everybody knows that the you know the bottom half and on on Bishop is 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 packed, and I I just I, I don't see what why that needed to happen. I don't. It's one thing if you said, okay, look, we are going to do this new Mustang Alley or whatever it's called, and we're gonna have vendors, and you're gonna be able to buy all the all the beard wristbands that you want and you can come and get beer whenever you want from these vendors um which by the way i'm sure it's ridiculously priced we're going to do that we're going to take away your spots at the top of the boulevard and and we're going to do this i just think that's the wrong move here's why one and and talking with people that still go to school people have moved you know, boulevard, pre, you know, boulevard tailgates off campus completely, which I think is understandable because everybody wants to have a meetup place. They're saying, okay, we're going to the tent at, you know, if it's a six o'clock, we're going at four. We're going to be there at four. Or we're going to be there at three or whatever, whatever, whatever it is. And they don't have that now at the Mustang Alley. Like, and when I was in school, I would not want to go on that brick at three o'clock in the afternoon. I just, I'm not going to do it. And and it's just, it's just, that's not, for me, that's not fun. Um, there's, and, and people say, well, there's no shade at the top of the boulevard and there's no shade on Mustang Alley and, you know, people are being dramatic. I can, I can sit in a parking lot and tailgate, you know, with a tent and do all of that where it's really, really hot. And you, you know, you got a TV set up where you got this or you got some sort of, you know, I'm not a big DJ guy, but you got this. You got you got your own space. People want their own space, um, and so I think the 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 tent situation certainly could have been done a little bit better. I don't think there's any reason for student organizations to not have tents at the top of the boulevard. Still, you can have Mustang Alley. I mean, heck, I would be for doing like a okay. You've got beer stands up at the Dallas Hall part of it from two to four, then from four to. F- 5.30, they all go over to Mustang Alley. So it's kind of that um, natural progression. Okay, beer is done being sold or carried on the on the student portion of the boulevard from 2 to 4 leading up to the game. Now you can go over to Mustang Alley. You've got your beer wristbands. Go pick up more beer. Hang out. Watch the DJ. Go to the game. I think that's kind of a natural progression. Um, and I again, I don't see why student organizations can't have their tents have a DJ up there or have their, you know, play their speakers or, you know, certain, certainly over homecoming, I think, you know, some, some, some organizations have a band or have a, you know, a real DJ kind of up there. And I just think it's a better gathering spot for alumni too. Like from, from me, if I came back to the boulevard and I was in Fiji, I want, I want to go to the Fiji, Fiji tent, see, you know, now it's, I, I'm pretty sure there's nobody there. There, there might be a few that, that I would know from my brother's classes or, or below my brother's classes that would be there that I've gotten to know just through the years. But it, it wouldn't be, you might run into somebody that, that you went to school with up there. You know, saying, oh, okay, I went to the Fiji tent to kind of hang out, maybe grab a beer, or I guess pick up a beer from the vendor near the tent, do that type of stuff. Um, or just having a tent where the, the, the brothers or whoever can hang out you're partnered with a sorority still, or again, whatever student organization it is, 
it's a gathering place and people can bring their own beer. You can do whatever. And look, SMU's always done a really good job of having enough police officers around to make sure that underage people aren't drinking. So that can still be a thing. Like if I wanted to bring, you know, a 30 rack for the friends or whatever, and just set it at the tent, shouldn't be, shouldn't be an issue. Um, so that's kind of my opinion on it. I think there should be a happy medium. Um, but I do think what SMU's put together on the Mustang Alley is is impressive. I, I don't think it should be poo-pooed. I just think there's a happy medium, and that needs to be found. And more importantly, just for the, the sake of kind of the boulevard, there need to be student tents up at the top. I mean, it's just it's kind of silly to me that there aren't. So enough of that. Now, um, all right, from Couchum. Can I comment on how our offensive and defensive schemes look different compared to last year? And does this indicate trajectory toward the final form we are recruiting evolving to? I think for defensively, that's very easy to kind of look at. SMU has been three and four man front. They've been a bunch of kind of different fronts. Uh, You've seen that in recruiting. You've seen them recruit the Nelson Pauls. You've seen them recruit the Elijah Chapmans. Um, you're, You're just kind of seeing them recruit regular defensive linemen and guys that can kind of come off the edge. The thing about what they're recruit who they're recruiting is everybody can run. I mean, you look at Mason Mastroff ran a four five four. Um they don't have testing numbers on J Bell, but he's a really athletic defensive end from what from what you can see on film. They want guys that can run, play in space, be versatile. Like Turner Cox came off the edge in a stand up role, but dropped back in coverage a little bit at times uh last week. Now you have uh, players like Patrick Nelson, Trevor Denbo, who's played linebacker and safety. Um, all those types of guys, those linebackers and safeties that are just guys that can run that are bigger, that's kind of the new age linebacker type of player that you're going to see across college football more and more. Um, like everybody was enamored with the star position under Van Balone, but really you're going to start seeing, you know, two, two, three linebackers on a field that, that are stars. I mean, Patrick Nelson is a, is a quote unquote star type of player. Pat Trevor Denbo, if they bulked him up a little bit more, would be a star type of player. Um, so that's kind of what you're going to see defensively, just a bunch of versatile guys that can really run some length um, and just a bunch of toys for Kevin Kane to play with. Offensively, I, I, I think, I don't think there's been too much change outside of involving the tight end more. You've got a difference maker in Kylan Granson. Uh, Kedrick James, when he's in the fold, is really athletic and and is a freak. Um, So you're going to see that type of a player at the tight end position. um, That SMU can evolve and and involve and, and, and get the ball. Other than that, I don't think there's been too much of a change in recruiting. I think they've done a really nice job recruiting offensive linemen. Um, so on, on offense, I don't think schematically they've been much different. I, I do think they're going to end up being more aggressive. And in year two especially, I, I think they could be even better in year two um, if they if, if Reggie Roberson uh, returns to school. Um, the defensive line... Um, and this is kind of a question in terms of the talent SMU has. I do think SMU has the talent and depth to compete for four quarters. What will it look like is kind of another question because I'm sure, and I can call this already, there are going to be moments in the game where people are going to be on our board and just 
roasting the defensive line, saying no pressure or this or that or what have you. And that's going to be a credit to the TCU defense or the TCU offensive line. It's going to happen. I think it's just going to be a back and forth type game. SMU is going to have to get pressures at the right time. Can they do that? I think they have the talent to do that and, and turn it on. But, I mean, you talk about having Demerick Gary, Zach Abercrombie, who seems to be coming along, um, Chris Biggers, Terrence Newman, Pono Davis. They've got guys in the middle that can hold up. Delonte Scott's having a real strong start to the year. Turner Cox is having a strong start to the year. Nelson Paul play. Um, Garrett Cho's been coming off the edge. And look, um, I follow Randall Joyner on Snapchat, and they've been saying how SMU, and this is according to Pro Football Focus, I think SMU is in the top 10 in pretty much like all defensive categories in terms of defense alignment. So pressures generated, hits on the quarterback, um, sacks, um, they're just they're having a real strong start to the year. So I do think that'll translate to this game. Now, uh, kind of the last team question, I would say, how's Jamal Powell doing and what has his involvement been this season? He's doing a lot better. Um, he's continuing to recover. He's an analyst, so he kind of breaks down film. He focus, He's focusing a lot on his recovery. I mean, class move by Sonny Dykes uh, to keep him on, keep him on with a full salary, things like that. Let him focus on getting healthy. Um, but he's he's an analyst, so he can't sit or, he can't coach coach the uh, the players too much. Um, but um, he's doing a lot better, a lot better, which is a good thing. Um, finally, a couple of uh, AAC questions. Uh, I'll start with uh, UCF and then talk about Tulane, who had a big win last night. Do I think UCF gets enough credit from the pollsters and committee? And and James Pony Island asked me this uh, as somebody who covers both the AAC and the SEC. I think UCF gets just the right amount of credit. I do. And if, to be honest, if, if you ask Sonny Dykes, I think he'd probably say the same. So he was on with the Musers yesterday on the ticket, and Sonny said that uh, UCF is a better team than, or in terms of talent um, than, than Michigan was. He just thought they had better athletes that, that can run. Um, he thought maybe... Uh, Michigan had them uh, on the offensive and defensive line, maybe by by just a smidge. But I mean, their quarterback certainly playing better. Um, and then, other than that, I mean, they've got athletes all over the field. So when you look at the ranking of Michigan, and I think Michigan's overrated. If you drop them just a little bit, uh, they're kind of right in that right in that UCF range. So I and and look. You know, LSU, and and it's different because everybody on, on UCF is going to say, well, they don't have Mackenzie Milton. Well, yeah, they don't. That's, I mean, no offense. I, I'm, I'm not sitting here saying this isn't a what-if game. It's just not. You, you don't have Mackenzie Milton. It sucks. It's an awful injury. But you don't get credit for players that aren't there. You just don't. Um so I think UCF is right where they should be. And 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 LSU beat them last year in the Fiesta Bowl and and LSU beat them. I mean, I I was pretty I thought LSU would have some struggles with UCF's offense. LSU and and for everybody who wants to point to Mackenzie Milton not being there, LSU I believe was missing all three starters on the defensive line 
a fourth key, like their fourth guy off the bench. They were down to two starting corners. Well, their their two starting corners weren't their starting corners. So they had two corners. They had a converted wide receiver playing corner that ended up having to play because their other corner got ejected um, in the game. It's just they they were like kind of a ragtag bunch of of the the defense that you had seen earlier in the year in the year. So and and LSU's offense was pretty limited um, just going into that game just because they they were limited last year. Now they're one of the highest scoring offenses in college football. So I, I think UCF gets enough credit. I think pollsters for the most part. Now there are some egregious ones that have them in like the twenties. I don't think they're twenties. I think they're right in the middle of the 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 AP top 25. Now, it'll be interesting to see because I don't think Josh Heupel's the long-term answer. I, I just don't I just don't see it. I just eventually it, it, they will teeter off and we'll kind of stop hearing about this. But um they're going to continue to recruit well and and they've got a good brand to recruit on, but I just think Josh Heupel's not the answer uh, in the long term. So, um how good is Tulane? I think Tulane's pretty good. I think they're limited at quarterback. I don't think Justin McMillan is this game changer. Um, he made a great pass to win the game last night uh, to JJ McCleskey, and um, yeah, he he uh, you know he made a great pass and Houston can tackle. And we're not really talking about that play, obviously, unless McCleskey breaks all his tackles. Um, Tulane's good. They are. They they are a good football team. I think that game was more of a product. I think that game was perfectly called by Vegas. Houston, not very good defensively. They've got a really good um, record-setting quarterback. But overall, they just don't have the discipline. They don't have... Um, they, they're not putting their players in good positions to succeed. So I do think that was a product of, in a way, Tulane being a good football team, but Houston not being this this traditional kind of group of five top 25 team. I mean, they're just, I, I, I just don't see them being that on that kind of level. I think Dana Holgerson ends up flaming out there ultimately. Um, so we'll kind of have to track that one, but um, overall Tulane's good, not taking any credit away from them. They won the football game. They, they, they did what they had to do, but Houston is just not, I don't think they're, I've said this. I think SMU is going to beat Houston this year again. Um, and I stick by that. So, I, I I mean, for me, I think it's Memphis and SMU that are duking it out at the end of the year for the West. Um, and we'll kind of see how it goes. So, with that, guys, uh, gone a little long on this podcast. But hope you guys enjoyed it. I uh, hope you guys have a great weekend. Stay safe out there uh, if you're tailgating out at TCU or however you're getting there, partying or whatever. It's going to be a fun one. A uh, little afternoon kickoff, 2.30 Central on FS1. We'll have all your coverage here on Pony Stampede. Um, Have a great weekend, everyone. Enjoy it.